Namo Tassa Bagawatu Arahatu Asama Sambutasa Namo Tassa Bagawatu Arahatu Asama Sambutasa Namo Tassa Bagawatu Arahatu Asama Sambutasa Umpudang Damang Sangang Namasami So any time there's um, longer periods of meditation, it's an opportunity to catch up with oneself, to see what's been shelved and what hasn't been attended to, and just to take stock of where things are at. And, um, you know, on some hand it's, it's very sweet, it's very lovely, and on the other hand it's a lot, it takes a lot of courage to just um, touch in with what's happening and to be willing to feel it. Um, a lot of our patterns or our habits is to move away from what's actually happening. And so to reverse that, to turn the tide against that, um, it takes uh, something. It's not nothing. And in the course of settling into, you know, being present with what's going on, there can be a whole variety of of feelings from joy and ease and delight and gladness to reluctance and resistance and boredom and restlessness and irritation and um, doubt, confusion. So it can run the whole gamut. And really, what's needed is to is to um, is to find an open, welcoming space that allows it all to be there. Just it's just big, huge, open field that allows everything to grow, you know, everything to be there, and to trust that whatever is there, it has its own, it settles in its own way, it ripens in its own way, it comes to fullness in its own way, and uh, just the ability to take time and to enter into inquiry and to go deep is just, in our world, in our day and time, is just so rare. It's so precious, it's so rare, and um, so helpful just to be able to take stock and to feel things and to, to get clear about what is habit, what is useful, what isn't so useful, what's wallpaper, what is um, a, a way of attending to what's arising that really uh, lets the whole mind, body, heart open and relax. This morning on the conference call, one of the people participating was talking about coming from a place of insufficiency. How, you know, for her, it was just, it was just really hard to trust that she was okay, you know, fundamentally okay, and that people were fundamentally okay. And what she was describing was this is that, you know, so much of her life is to try to make things better from the perspective that it's not okay. And I think a lot of people feel that way. You know, we have a good intention, but it's motivated from a sense of um, lack, from a sense of, of insufficiency. We're insufficient, the world is insufficient, the people around us are insufficient. It's like, 
trying to meet this um, enormous sense of insufficiency trying to make it okay, trying to make it right, trying to fix it. And, you know, afterwards I got off the telephone call and I thought, there's two components of this which I think are really important to investigate, to inquire. One is, is, is that there seems to be a kind of a deep-seated, unmet psychological need that, that um, seems to have come about from for many people, from a combination of a whole variety of conditions, that 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 then results in a sense of lack, and then this sense of lack is then taken personally as to who one actually is. So there's two components of this. One is the psychological component, which needs care and attention. It actually needs. The, the kind of care and attention that, that wasn't there, which is the reason why the sense of lack got activated in the first place. And I have seen for myself that this has been something that's been deep, and it's taken a lot of persistence and a lot of care and a lot of kindness and an enormous amount of skill to bring attention, to um, bring precisely the kind of attention that wasn't where it needed to be at the time it needed to be. And so it's almost as if what I've had to do is to develop the ability to locate the feelings or the emotions or the moods or the belief systems or the body sensations that arise out of that sense of lack. And while I can be attentive to all of those things, I also have to summon forth a kind heart, a, a presence, a willingness to bring forth the qualities of of seeing, of holding, of caring, of responsive, as responsiveness into that situation that wasn't there at the time it was needed. So it's almost as if holding to oscillating back and forth between two different things. One is, is the experience of the lack, and the other is bringing the care and the attention that is needed to that lack, and go back and forth between them. And to be able to do that has not, has been, it's been a learning. It's taken, it's taken, it took a lot of time, and it took somebody holding the space for me to get a feeling of what that meant to then be able to do it for myself. So somebody else was actually holding the space to bring forward the care and the kindness that was needed until I got a feeling of what that was like to then get a sense of how I might be able to do that for myself. And so the, the ability to recognize and the ability to attend and respond in this whole situation has been something that has, it's taken time to develop, but it's been really important for me to do that because it feels like over time that it's working. <laughs> it's absolutely working. There isn't such a sense of lack. There's a sense of fullness. There's a sense of... Of, of not insufficiency, but sufficiency. And it feels a little bit like, you know, one drop in a bucket, and, you know, and it's a big bucket, and you keep putting drops in the bucket, and after a while you notice that there's some 
water in the bucket, you know? There's something in the bucket. But there's a whole other component to this, and this is very interesting, which is that ordinary consciousness identifies with the things that we experience. We identify with our body. We take it to be who we are. We take it to be what we are. We take it to be mine. Ordinary mind identifies with our feelings, our thoughts, our moods, our emotions, our stories. Ordinary mind identifies with the um, everything that's going on in our experience. It attaches to it, grabs hold of it, and says, "This is who I am. This is what I am. This is what I'm made of. And this is this is this is where I locate myself." When we see that our bodies are constantly changing and they change in small ways over time and they change in big ways over time. But there isn't anything in a body that is inherently stable or something that we can hold on to. Then there's a place where the experience of insufficiency of the body is not something personal, but a, a truth that needs to be realized. That it's not a personal shortcoming, that our body is not um, the same all the time, or that it doesn't change. That actually is the way it is. And we can see that's true for, for all of that. We can see that that happens in our emotions. So we have emotions that arise as a result of the conditions that we experience, and sometimes the emotions are really um, resplendent and joyful and, and loving and clear, and sometimes they're snarky and, 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 and nasty and mean and, and unkind and depressed and, and vacant or unresponsive, and they arise depending on conditions. And there isn't anything in any of the emotions that we have ever been able to experience that is lasting, that there's something permanent that we can grab hold to in them, that we can claim to be who we are, what we are, what we're made of, or what life is. And so in the whole world of emotions, there's also something which is insufficient, because it's changing. I mean, even the positive ones, there can be something disappointing about them that they go. They last for a while and they go. They don't last forever. And so there's this whole other way of looking at insufficiency, which is, is, is that rather than it being, this is a whole other level, so it's not to deny that sometimes the insufficiency that we're experiencing is coming from unmet needs that were never really attended to in the right way at the right time. But then there's this whole other level of insufficiency, which is, is, is that we take ourselves to be what we're experiencing. What we're experiencing is not something that is lasting. Because it's not lasting, it can't be something that we can ultimately rely on. The whole experience is, is one of insufficiency. And we take the insufficiency of, of reality, the fact that things change, as a personal truth that that is who we are, that we are therefore insufficient as a result. And what is needed is rather than claim it 
as a place to locate one's identity is to realize that this whole area of insufficiency is a noble truth which needs to be realized. It's actually something that we need to wake up to rather than something that we need to identify with and take personally as who we are. Now, both of these components, the component to recognize a whole huge area of psychological development that where needs were not met at times when they needed to be met, and this area of recognizing that we can identify with the vicissitudes of life and take them personally as some kind of shortcoming in ourselves are two elements of what I have experienced as obstacles that allow me to relax into a sense of sufficiency, into an abundant sense of of well-being, into a sense of of an all-pervasive presence that pervades everything that pervades my body, that pervades the land that I walk on, that pervades the food that I eat, that pervades the people that I relate to, that pervades my mind, my heart, pervades what I take myself to be. And so when I am able to attend in a skillful way to meet what's arising, and respond to what's arising, then there's both a certain level of sophistication that's needed in being able to see things for what they really are and respond in the right way. And a kind of shifting of lineages from identifying with the stuff to relaxing into the knowing or the presence of the stuff. And as I shift lineages from one to the other, I move from the characteristic of insufficiency as being kind of the hallmark of how I experience myself and how I experience the world and how I experience everyone and everything around me into a sense of presence, a sense of fullness, a sense of seeing the light, seeing the clarity, seeing the fullness in myself and in everyone around me. Seeing the beauty, the joy, seeing the goodness, seeing the aspiration. And Seeing this has not made it that I am unable to see shortcomings. It's not a kind of like pink marshmallow goo that gets kind of spread all over everything and there's no capacity to see places that um, where there is lack of integration or where there's pain or where there's identification with stuff which is not wholesome. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work as, a, as, a, as an inability to see. But what it does do is change what I focus on, 
and how I relate to it. Now, if somebody who I thought was a really close friend lashes out and does something that hurts me, it can take me some time to process that and to see it in the context of their own unfinished pain that they haven't actually come to terms with. And when I'm able to process that, then I can return to the place of sufficiency, that there isn't something fundamentally wrong with me that I feel hurt, and there isn't something fundamentally wrong with them that they lashed out. This is the response of their conditioning and my conditioning in the way that I received it. It returns me back to the place of sufficiency rather than to the place of lack. Now, I was happy to take you to the Garden of the Gods today because that's a really super special place for me. And I'm sensitive to energy and sensitive to place and sensitive to different kinds of things and I just feel so blessed to be living in this area that's so close to those kind of rocks. Because, you know, with everything that I've been through, with coming through England and the kind of dislocation of leaving a community that I was part of for so many years and what was so disruptive and what happened before I left and navigating so much uncertainty and so much grief and other kinds of very disturbing emotions. These rocks for me have been like a real strong portal. You know, I, I, I would run to them just run because it was like something inside of me was was hurting it was too big for me to hold it by myself and I'd press myself into the rocks you know I'd put my body in with as much contact as I could against the rocks or the sand and it's like I'd let it I'd let the rocks hold it with me for me I'd drop it I'd drop my own needing to hold it or make sense of it or having to fix it or control it I would just drop and and it's like it's like the rocks to me were like grandmother's hands just surrounding me with this incredibly loving but unbelievably strong presence and as I could relax into that loving presence there was a sense of coming into an awareness everything is welcome everything belongs I don't have to get rid of anything you know I don't have to fix anything and, and and as I transition from something that was like agitating and too much and too intense and too painful and and I can't handle it to everything is welcome and I don't have to fix anything, it's like it, it turns itself on its head and whatever was there comes into a balance by itself. And I come into balance with my body, I feel more grounded. I feel more relaxed, I feel more trusting, I feel more um, able to manage, I feel more resourced, I feel more peaceful, just deeply peaceful, that all of this stuff that can come, can come. I don't have to push it away or control it, I don't have to make it go away, I don't have to make it not come. I'll be there. And that there's something that is big enough, wide enough, spacious enough that can hold the whole thing. And and it's all okay. The feelings are okay, and I'm okay for having them. 
And for me, you know, the sense of coming back into presence. It's not judging, it's not identifying, it's not interfering. It's coming into a alive, responsive presence with what is. And for me, my body has been a huge part of what's been necessary in order for me to do that. And so part of what happens for me with the rocks is, is, is that when I, I lie on them, I can relax. And as I relax, there's a whole other thing that can happen in the way that I'm relating to my body and what's going on. And so, you know, I've had to see, and I've, I've seen a lot in these last few years since I've been here, you know, places of really, really, where I, really, really, where I didn't get what I needed when I needed it when I was little, you know. And rather than may, you know, wave a kind of magic wand and go voop, voop, and have it disappear, it's required acknowledging that, knowing that, and attending to that with all of the strength and the care that I can muster in in every single situation that that has arisen. As well as letting go of identification with all of it. So I've been working it from both sides, you know, from the side of personal psychological development and the side of that none of this is who I am and none of this is worth holding on to. And from some intuitive process of trusting when I need to do what, when, there's been shift, change, and and more fullness, much, much less holding on to things which are painful, much more feeling of completion and resolution, much more sense of settling into my own skin, into my own body, and feeling present with what arises. Now, part of my skillfulness is also in understanding my sensitivities and my capacities. So, you know, one of the things that I notice is, is that I'm particularly sensitive in a number of areas, and, and one of them is around sound. So the sound of the, of the vehicles, when my mind is operating in ordinary consciousness, that sound is stressful to me. When I go to the rocks and I drop into something that's deeper, that sound is not stressful to me. So I can be on the rocks in a place where I hear those cars and it's not stressful to me because I've dropped into a non-ordinary consciousness. I'm entering into presence that is open and receiving of everything. But when I'm operating from ordinary consciousness, I need to take time where I am not hearing the traffic. I need to put myself in situations where those sounds are not present. I need to let my nervous system discharge and unwind. 
And when I have enough contact with the rocks and I can enter into this pervasive awareness, then I can be sufficiently resourced to deal with those sounds in a way where they're not agitating my nervous system. But what I need to be responsive to is how much of the time I'm in ordinary consciousness and how much of the time I'm dropped into this deeper consciousness where it's not impacting my nervous system. And rather than demand that I should be something that I'm not, just meet where I'm at and respond to it in a way that is responsive. So, you know, I try and set it up so that I can get to the rocks every day. Because it's like medicine for me. It's like drinking water or breathing air or something. It's like my whole system unravels in a way that's different than if I sit quietly here. But if I've been to the rocks and I come and I sit quietly here, it has a whole other kind of feeling for me. It's like that sense of abundance and sufficiency and fullness of being I bring into this space with me. And so that is like a shortcut. I can do it here if I have many hours. But if I go there, it's very quick, you know. So that for me is like, you know, it's a quick, it's a fast track to the stuff that normally happens in meditation, which is usually takes longer to do. So it feels so lovely to have you here in this way on retreat. So lovely to have you be part of my little hermitage and to bless my space with your presence and your practice and to share together in this way. It feels it feels lovely, it feels right, it feels like I just feel so happy to be able to help support make this happen. It feels wonderful. So I'm glad that you asked to come and I'm glad that we can make it happen. And you know, it is what it is. It's it's not a, a perfectly designed retreat center in the way from everything. <laughs> you know, it it is what it is. It, you know, and yet, hopefully, there's enough here to support the right things, so that you can relax and trust and feel safe to inquire in ways that you need to and and to attend to what needs to be attended to in a way that feels wholesome and healthy and balanced and supportive in uh, to your practice. <laughs>